can still remember my first visit to a co-op. It was the uh, Newark co-op in Newark, Delaware. And it was like I had come home. <laughs> they had everything. They had vegan mayonnaise. They had vegan meat substitutes. It was the first time I'd ever seen seitan on a shelf. <laughs> wherever you are. No matter what time of day it is, though, my name is Anastasia, and this is That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op. If you're new here, hi, welcome. I highly suggest you go back and listen to our older episodes. It's not required, but there's some really great stuff in there, if I do say so in my unbiased opinion. If you clicked on this episode... I can almost guarantee you'll enjoy the topics of our other episodes. For those of you who have been around since the beginning, thanks for sticking with us. We're almost into double digits, both in terms of the temperature and the number of episodes, and it's been great to have you along with us. In this episode, we're talking about food lifestyles. What do I mean by this exactly? When I think of the term food lifestyle, I think of a mindset around food someone applies to their entire diet. So terms like vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, pescatarian, kosher, omnivore, etc. Sometimes it's the result of an allergy, but many times it is a conscientious and voluntary choice. I think the key with this is really that it impacts the food you're eating on a daily, consistent basis. So today, we're going to explore a couple different food lifestyles from those who are still practicing them today and some that aren't practicing them today. We're going to explore important questions like, what kind of vegan and gluten-free products can you find at the Littleton Food Co-op? Is it actually cheaper to live a vegan lifestyle? How do I deal with family and friends who have negative things to say about my food lifestyle? And perhaps most importantly, does the food actually taste good? This is going to be a great episode for anyone who's considering trying a new food lifestyle. However, I also just want to set the disclaimer that this episode is not in any way meant to shame anyone for whatever food they want to eat. I myself am an omnivore, meaning that I eat food derived from plants and animals, and I couldn't care less about what anyone chooses to eat. What we put in our bodies should be our choice alone, and I'm not trying to interfere in anyone's decision. I, like many of you, I'm sure, have vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free friends, and I crafted this episode to learn more about their experiences and also to see how they related to my co-op. And I really think this episode does that in a very honest and pressure-free way. We're going to hear from Travis, Assistant Front-End Manager at the Littleton Food Co-op, as well as Aaron May, a devout co-op customer, about what it's like to be involved in a co-op while sticking to a specific and strict food lifestyle. So maybe go grab a snack of some sort because we're going to talk about a lot of different food in this episode starting right now. Let's go. 
I am joined by Travis, our assistant front end manager. Travis, first of all, welcome to the co-op and welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be at the co-op and I'm super excited to be a guest on your podcast today. This is thrilling. So just to get right into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then also about your, for the sake of the podcast, what we're calling this like food lifestyle. I hear you've had a couple different ones over your however many years of existence. Yeah, totally. So I have worked in the grocery world for like about a little over a decade. And um, throughout that time, before I found myself working in grocery, I found myself coming away from being a regular omnivore, just sort of like whatever's on the menu is fair game. I became a pescatarian for two years because I had this very strong idea that I couldn't give up sushi. After those two years, I decided that sushi was not as essential of a sticking point as I thought it was. (laughs) Then I spent about two more years as a straight ovo-lacto-vegetarian, so eggs were on the menu cheese was on the menu but uh no dead animals and then i went for four years as a vegan which is of course not consuming any uh food that is produced by or from animals after that i went back to about two years of being an ovo lacto vegetarian and now i have sort of a mixed diet although i am still very largely vegetarian in my day-to-day life just going off of that statement of like the dead animal thing just that phrasing of it in this 10-year journey do you think getting there was more of a gradual process or more of an abrupt decision because I know some people can trace it back to like a young age they're like I saw this commercial for animals and that was it and then other people it's kind of like weaning off of it Um, so going back to when you first decided this what would you say your process was more apt to? I think, like, a lot of people, it was through, like, a gradual education of, like, the uh, factory farming method used in the world today. I don't have, like, a pinpoint moment that it kind of snapped for me, and I said, no, I'm doing it today. But towards the end of my college career, my senior year, I definitely just got to this place where I was like, I don't know if I'm down with eating meat. I just had objections to how many animals were treated when they were in the process of being farmed. And it just, you know, wasn't sitting right with my conscience. So it was after I left college because I had like the meal plan and they didn't, it it sounds so silly, it wasn't that long ago, but it was in like the early aughts. And my college didn't have that many vegetarian options. It was like you could hit the salad bar and that was kind of it. So me and my husband decided, well, my fiance at that point decided that when we left college, that was when we were going to start being vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I'd say within like a month or two of leaving, we didn't have any, any meat in our house. We had, we cut over pretty quickly once we left college. I think it's so funny you say that because Well, I just graduated college in May 2020, and it was the same deal for so many of my vegetarian and vegan friends struggling off of the meal plan. Like, you're struggling already and then put more further restrictions on it. It's still not a good situation. And also, I know a lot of people who graduated college who became what they call, like, accidental vegetarians in that they were like all of a sudden they were like wait meat is actually very expensive to buy and i do not have that money 
so I'm just not going to buy it. And then that's yeah. what happened. <laughs> but when you talk about learning about all of the factory farm processes and things like that, was that information you came across naturally or did you seek it out or? It was, it, part of it came across naturally. One of my, the first vegan I ever knew. Um, was in college, and she was um, she was very evangelical about the good news of veganism. So she would always kind of point out alternatives that people could be looking for, and she really just kind of like opened my eyes to like this was like an actual like frame of mind that people occupied, and it was not nearly as like foreign or scary as I kind of thought it might have been. And then my talking about my senior year, I also took um, a philosophy course called Animals and Ethics, uh-huh. um, which talk very much about how we treat our neighbors on this planet that aren't sentient. And um, are the things that we do ethical? Are they permissible? Uh, To what degree can we feel good about it? What degree should we maybe consider looking at what we are doing? And that was definitely also very informative to me. So those two things really came together to help form where I was at when I left college. So would you say it was a difficult lifestyle to adapt to, either first going into being a pescatarian or going into... Um, a lacto or vegan, any of those transitions? For me, I really feel like the idea of it was scarier than the reality of it. I definitely, you talked about the idea of people being accidental vegetarians because meat is expensive. Coming into it, I thought everything vegetarian was going to be so expensive. And I was like, how am I going to budget this correctly? And I didn't know any recipes. I was just out of college. I didn't know many recipes at all. But certainly when I kind of like got down to it and started doing work, it was remarkably simple. Like the challenge I think was just kind of like saying, I'm going to try a new thing and here it goes. Mm. But once we started, the um, the momentum of that choice really kind of drove it, both becoming pescatarian and then when we went to ovo-lacto-vegetarianism, same thing. And to veganism, everything. It was just sort of, I'm going to do my research, figure out what I want to have in my life, and I'm just going to execute on that level. So I know you mentioned your partner, but was there anyone else in your life, whether directly or indirectly, like someone you looked up to that was, we'll say, like an alternative food lifestyle, whether it be vegetarian, vegan, pescatarian, anything like that? Yeah, um... I had a very good friend from high school, and she she was always very passionate about educating herself about where her food came from, um, making the right choices for her diet, even when she was facing difficulties from, like, her friend network or her family. She was always ready to cite precedent for, like, why what she was choosing was a healthy choice for her. And that really inspired me, because I think when you say to a family member, especially, like, if you're going into, like, let's say holiday, something where there's, like, a lot of traditions associated with it around certain dishes, mm. you can get a lot of pushback, even if they don't realize they're providing pushback. Uh, how can you have Thanksgiving without turkey and gravy? You know, something of that, Easter without ham, something like that. And, yeah, watching her make her journey through veganism, and she still is a vegan after, it must be 15 or 20 years now, Um, was really inspirational and really helped me kind of grade where I wanted to be and how I wanted to live in that lifestyle. So did you face the same sort of pushback or do you find that you had support from it? I think overall um, the people in my life were very supportive. There was some pushback at the beginning. Like Um, what would people say? 
Um, there's this sort of there's this idea that I don't know if it's so prevalent for people who are becoming vegetarian, but where are you going to get your protein from? You you can't live without your protein. Like you got and so that was like a, a big push I'd hear from uh my family a lot. And then there was the pushback of my wonderful grandmother who was you know she was older and did not adapt her recipes well and she also and that's how she showed she cared was by baking and cooking and preparing meals that was her demonstration to her family this is my love for you and so when all of a sudden some of these like recipes that she would make as a standard i wasn't eating we had to navigate that space and i had to really you know make her understand that it wasn't a rejection of her love <laughs> And I know you had hinted at this a little bit when we were talking about taking the dive into it, but do you think it's overall difficult to shop as being a vegetarian or a vegan, um, more specifically, like, in terms of expenses and also in terms of product selection, availability, stuff like that? There's, there's certainly difficulties involved, both in finding a good selection and pricing, and it also... I think there's, like, different forms that vegetarianism and veganism can take. Mm. Some people want to, like, create totally faithful replications of, like, very meat-forward dishes. Like, uh, I remember there was a Martha Stewart recipe that I tried one time for a beef bourguignon that was completely vegan. Um, and that was a nightmare to pull off. <laughs> um, I had to find very specific meat substitutes. Uh, there was a lot of prep work. But I think when people start looking for other recipes that can kind of like fit their lifestyle that aren't necessarily just about how am I going to make a totally accurate steak or hamburger, of course, that's even easier now than it used to be. But it also depends on where you shop. When I went vegetarian and then vegan, I lived in a very rural area in southern Delaware. And the choices at the supermarkets were limited. And I can still remember my first visit to a co-op. It was the uh, Newark Co-op in Newark, Delaware. And it was like I had come home. They had everything. They had vegan mayonnaise. They had vegan uh, meat substitutes. They had, it was the first time I'd ever seen seitan on a shelf, which I had always read about on blogs, but being in the sticks, I had never seen in person. Uh, So it really depends on where you are able to do your shopping, how your experience is. I just love that so much. I feel like I was coming home. Oh. But now, as you mentioned, you're you're an omnivore, at least by definition. So what influenced you to take a step back from vegetarianism? The way I looked at consuming meat and people's personal, like, food choices shifted. Uh, when I was younger and a little bit more idealistic, um, I felt like it was my job to try to compensate for anyone who wasn't making the same choice as I was. Mm. and try to like diminish the sort of like factory farm situation doing whatever I could and that meant bringing my impact to that system to zero and that would have a maximum impact and as I kind of lived with my views and like evolved with them it shifted from that felt morally wrong to I've never articulated this before um it became more distasteful than like wrong in my mind like I was just like Ew, I don't want to do that, as opposed to, I ought not do that. Mm -hmm. And then one day, I realized that for quite some time, I had really wanted to get some specialty cheeses. I was working at a store that had some really excellent selections, and I wasn't having any, and I 
found myself realizing the reason I didn't want to is because I didn't want my vegan friends to be upset with me. Oh, I was wondering if, like, peer pressure was a part of this. There was a peer pressure component. And then I just realized that if that was the reason why I was informing my food choices, that was the wrong reason. Mm. So I was working and they were doing its cheese sampling. And I said, I'm going to try some of that cheese. And it was delightful. And so cheese was the um, sword that slayed the beast for me. As cheese is uh, many times the impactful moment in our lives, I think it's very (laughs) interesting that you can trace the end to a pretty specific moment, but not the beginning. But do you think that your time as a vegan vegetarian has impacted the way you eat and shop now? Oh, absolutely. So it wasn't just a totally back to square one. No, not at all. Um, I feel like I'm a much more informed consumer as opposed to to what's going into my foods. Whereas before, I had never read an ingredient list. I thought that was just some random stuff for other people to worry about. Uh, People with allergies or something. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the end of it. But no, it really taught me to be thoughtful about the foods I was choosing, um, how they impact me. And so many of my absolute favorite recipes are from those days. And I still enjoy going out to vegetarian and vegan restaurants and seeing sort of the state of cuisine today and like seeing what these amazing chefs are like coming up with and like able to create. Like it's not a driving part when I'm picking my dinner tonight necessarily, but if I'm traveling somewhere, like I'm definitely checking out the vegan food scene. So on that kind of related note, when you're shopping for your day-to-day stuff, do you find yourself still buying the vegan or vegetarian versions of things now that you can, like, quote-unquote, have the real thing? I specifically heard something about a passion for veganaise. I don't know if you want to elaborate. I am always happy to talk about veganaise. For my money, veganaise is the top-tier example of what mayonnaise can be. Short of, like, the J. Kenji Lopez alt-30-second mayonnaise that you can make in your own home, which is very good if you haven't tried it, you should. Um, no, veganaise is the mayonnaise I keep in my fridge at home in the door if I'm making a sandwich. It is. It just tastes better. I don't know what it is. Like, it's, I'm, I'm so curious, because I don't think I've ever had it, like, how how is it better? It asking the hard questions here. It is the the really impactful questions. Is it the texture? Is it the taste itself? Is it the aftertaste? The before taste? I, I, I don't I don't know if this makes sense, but like the taste is like purer and cleaner. It presents as mayonnaise in this like hyperactual way that I feel like traditional mayonnaise doesn't and sometimes normal mayonnaise just has like this weird sort of like aftertaste that i find like a little detracting that veganaise does not have it has like a really nice clean finish you know i i understand that i think only because i recently experienced the same thing when we were in fall and i had one of our local apple ciders and i was like oh this is it's one of those moments where you're like this is what this is supposed to taste like yeah and you just latch on to that new experience and you're like this is it in its purest form it's got everything i like dialed up everything i don't like dialed down 
And that's what Veganase is for me. This podcast is not sponsored by Veganase. It's not. But it, it, it should be. It, it should be. It and maybe, could be. Maybe Veganase is listening and would like to, you know, send a sponsorship our yes, way. Yes. Or, or just some product. Yeah. We will take. That's fine, too. <laughs> so, looking back, do you think there are certain qualities or maybe even, like, prerequisites that you think someone needs to have to successfully live a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle? I think the first thing that someone needs to have to successfully live that lifestyle is an excitement to do it. If you're treating it as a burden that you, like, have to do, it's going to be like pulling teeth. Mm. And the only other thing I think you need is to take the time and, like, learn about it. There are certain nutrients that are very commonly found in animal products that are much more difficult to find in a plant-based diet. And just taking the time and doing research, there's a lot of, like, conflicting information. So, like, it's hard going out online and doing it. But if you go to, like, PETA.org, they have, like, a really good kind of, like, introduction breakdown to, like, the health of it and the nutrition of it. And just taking the time to make sure that you are hitting the things that your body needs. I think as long as you're doing that and you want to be doing that, you're going to have a great experience. I think that is so great because it goes along with, I think, the what the mantra should be for so many things in life, which is, like, you should be doing this for you and not for anyone else, not for your friends, not for your family, not even for, like, society in a way. Yeah. I think with what you were talking about earlier, like, that's kind of a lot to put on yourself to be like, I'm going to save the world by not eating these chicken nuggets. And you don't have to do that unless you want to, in a way, do that. Yeah. You've been at the co-op for a relatively limited amount of time, mm-hmm. but have you discovered any favorite products, vegan, vegetarian, or otherwise? Well, the whole reason I found my way to the co-op is the specialty cheese department. That was how I made my first journey here as a customer. And then my second journey as a customer, which resulted in me and putting in an application. And yeah. your 32nd um, and all of them. So I think, especially if anyone is looking from a vegetarian-informed perspective or an omnivore-based perspective, there are many excellent cheeses at the specialty cheese counter that are produced with animal rennet as opposed to traditional rennet, which is a meat byproduct, that you can really just live your big cheese life while still like living your vegetarian-principled life. And the selection of vegan cheeses and substitutes here are astonishing. Uh, the state of vegan cheese has come so very far in, like, the almost 20 years since, or 15 years, since I was a vegan. And it's not the, the like, the horrible curse you would wish on your worst enemy that it used to be. Like, they're really quite good. And a really valued added addition to, like, your diet. Yeah, if you're looking for a new favorite product to find, swing by the co-op. You'll find it. We'll help you. <laughs> you should talk to Catherine about vegan cheese um, because she also has some opinions that I will let her uh, talk about. But also, this podcast is also not sponsored by the specialty cheese department, although, let's be real, it almost is. Yes. Uh, but thank you so much. This is really interesting. I think... You don't find many people who uh, have been through all of these different lifestyles and then are willing to admit that it didn't work for them. So it was really interesting to see someone 
I think kind of on on both sides or all sides. There's a lot of sides. Um, yeah, I to think, this experience. I think that one of the most precious decisions that we make for ourselves is what we choose to eat. And I think anybody who throws shade or gives flack to somebody for a choice they're making, I think that's a really like horrible like intrusion into someone's personal life. So I think if someone's interested in being any kind of specialized diet, that's their business. They should be allowed to find out if it's the right diet for them. That was so beautiful. Um, I think I'm going to go cry now, so <laughs> thanks. Hey everyone, it's me again. I'm here to do the product of the week segment, except this week, it isn't necessarily going to be a product I recommend because I don't know if I like it yet. That's right, I'm doing a live taste test. In the spirit of this episode's theme, I've selected two vegan products to try and give you my omnivoric opinion on. I tried to pick products I'm pretty neutral on to begin with, because I felt like that would be the fairest way to judge these other versions. First up, I have these, mm, I feel like I'm gonna mispronounce this. These Yves, Ives? Ugh, Ives? <laughs> Y-V-E-S, veggie breakfast patties. Let's hope they taste better than I can pronounce them. I'm not much of like a sausage patty or breakfast patty person. Like if I have a breakfast sandwich, I probably would get bacon or no meat at all. But when I was at school, they always had some sort of veggie patty at breakfast. I'm not sure what brand it was or what kind it was. But for some reason, my first two years of college, I was like obsessed with them. But every day they were kind of like hit or miss. Some days they were really nice and some days they were like dry and rock hard. So I'm really curious to see what these ones will be like. So to start, they're microwavable, which is fantastic. I hate using anything other than a microwave to prepare my meal. So there's kind of this outer cardboard layer, and on the inside, there's four sets of two little patties in these like connected plastic bubble packaging. I don't know if that description makes any sense, but I really thought it was just going to be one really thick patty, but they're tiny, which explains why the serving size is two. Okay, so it looks like you should just be able to peel away, um, but um, technical difficulty, hold on. Okay, so I had to go get the scissors, and it was a struggle to say the least. It's set to microwave two patties for 45 seconds to a minute, so I did a minute, but I'm really hoping that doesn't end up impacting the taste. I also can't separate them. Like, they're the two of them are, like, stuck together. They're, like, welded together. Um, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do, so I guess I'm just gonna, like, eat them together. <laughs> Okay, here I go. Okay, I decided to come back because I figured you didn't want to hear my chewing sound. My first thought is that they're not hard and cakey. 
they're easy to chew, which can sometimes even be a problem with regular breakfast patties. They're also not oily in texture and taste, which can also happen with regular patties. It has a decent flavor. It's not overpowering my taste buds. I think it would complement something well in a breakfast sandwich, but I don't know how I would feel if that's all there was on the sandwich. Overall, I could see myself buying them again, but I think it's partially for nostalgia's sake. I would give it, I would give it a six out of 10. You can find these at the Littleton Food Co-op in the Fresh Case, which is across from the bananas and the salad dressing. While you're there, maybe you could also give me your suggestion on how to pronounce them. Again, that's Yves, Y-V-E-S. Um, please don't hate me if that brand is out there listening and I'm totally butchering it. I am so sorry. So next, I decided to wash it down with a dark chocolate covered cocoa mel. You heard me, not caramel, cocoa mel. A cocoa mel is a coconut milk caramel. This was a product recommended by co-op employee Julie, our resident vegan in the admin offices. We're always talking about the latest and greatest vegan finds in the office. She shares a lot of great options for me to try and I decided this would, would be good in case I didn't like the breakfast patties. We both shared the thought that we're not really huge fans of coconut but she said that you can't taste it in this that much. She says she's addicted now, so I'm wondering if I'm going to end up the same. So thank you, Julie. So there's two in this little package. <laughs> it's easier to open than the, than the first one. They're salted on the outside, which the package didn't, didn't mention, um, but it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's like, it does look like a lot of salt. Like it's not just like a sprinkle on top it's kind of like all over it smells nice <laughs> I don't know why I just smelled it that's not like a normal way to test chocolate anyway okay so it's a hard caramel um it's not like gooey Julie's right I got like one taste of coconut and it could even be described as just like a sweet taste not like specifically coconutty um, but it's actually pretty salty. That That is salt on there. I should also mention that now that I'm reading the packaging, it's actually described as dairy-free and says it's made on equipment used to process eggs. I don't know if that changes anyone's opinion on whether or not they're vegan. It just kind of seems like good information to know. Not that these were necessarily bad, but I think as a non-vegan, I would probably won't buy them again, knowing I can have the real caramel. I think I have to rate them a four out of 10. You can check out this product for yourself on the chocolate stand across from the checkout registers. Now I'm curious to know what the other vegans or omnivores think of both of these products. If you try either the veggie breakfast patties or the dark chocolate covered cocomels, let me know. Hey, Erin May, what's up? Not much. What's going on with you? 
Oh, you know, just doing a podcast. You know how it is. Oh, living that glam life. <laughs> totally. I'm like sitting in my unheated car in the wintertime in New Hampshire, really, truly living the celebrity life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Live free and be cold. <laughs> <laughs> but a little birdie, um, meaning your husband, told me that <laughs> told me that you follow both a vegan and gluten-free lifestyle. So, can you tell me a little bit about how you decided to start eating that way? So, I'll give you the short version because it's like been a development over many, many moons in my life. So, like, so I was born in <laughs> my parents met. No, uh, so I started, uh, I cut out meat, and by meat I mean um, I cut out, like, any red meat and any poultry or bird and uh, followed a pescatarian diet, um, like, my second year of high school, sophomore year, basically just because we didn't eat a lot of meat in my family. We ate more fish. Uh, we grew a lot of our own food uh, in terms of veggies for gardening. So we had a lot of fresh veggies around all the time, and I never really liked meat too much anyway, so I started that way, and then over the years, I just kind of, like, stopped even trying to eat meat, so it just went to vegetarian, and then I found out over a span of a couple of years, I guess I would say, like, slowly, and I might have just kind of ignored the warning signs because I love cheese so much, especially, like, super sharp cheddar cheese. But I have, like, a wicked dairy intolerance to the point where they put it on my allergy list for my records. <laughs> so I had to cut out dairy and then also cut out gluten because I have a wicked gluten intolerance, like, allergy as well. So that's basically how it came along. In the end, it's more because of allergies than anything, and the meat, just because I really never ate that much meat in the first place, so it wasn't that hard for me to do, thankfully. Yeah, I was going to say, so this combination of, like, part choice, part force, was it overall, like, a difficult lifestyle to adapt to? Not really. Like you said earlier, when, like, I, I was growing up, my God, my mother's parents so my maternal grandparents grew a lot of like food throughout the year lots of gardening so I learned that like as soon as I could you know dig a hole in the ground and throw a seed in so we were really lucky to have like an abundance of fresh produce and stuff all year I think the hardest part like I said was the cheese I just even still now I get a little irritated and just like it's always the cheese I know I just stare at them sometimes and like whisper sweet nothings into the cooler case and then I can't take them but I I dream about it <laughs> I mean honestly I do too and I and I Not. I should say I have the privilege of being able to eat them so then other than our maybe specialty cheese selection taunting you can you tell me a little bit about what it's like doing your shopping for your vegan and gluten-free household at the Littleton Food Co-op? Well, I find it 
when I started shopping at the co-op, it was, like, probably the first year I moved up here, which is, like, six, seven years ago. I, I don't know. It's been forever. Um, but I started, like, finding and shopping with those dietary restrictions then. And over the years, as my allergies, for some reason, got worse as I got older and cut all dairy out completely and, you know, all animal products other than honey because I'm not, like, hardcore vegan to that point. I love honey. It was really easy. You guys have a lot of options for replacement foods in terms of, like, bread. For example, like, Knick Knick and their Canyon Bakehouse and Char, and you carry all of those, and it's amazing to be able to eat bagels and not, like, have an allergic reaction. There's butter. You know, all of my staples are met, and finding fresh produce all year long that's usually provided by our local farms is what we try to buy more than anything, like Meadowstone and Joe's and all those great, great local farms that are around here really just kind of didn't make it too hard and doesn't continue to make it too hard because it's easier than anything. Uh, I exclusively shop for food at the co-op for the most part now. So That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you're finding we have what you need to retain some, I guess, kind of quote-unquote normalcy. Yeah. Um, even if it's if it's in the form of these substitutions. So let's say we're at the co-op, you know, we walked in, we got the cart, we're doing the thing, we're going through all the aisles, and we're about to check out, we're putting everything up on the belt. What are some things you pretty much always have in your cart from the co-op? So we always have produce, you know, veggies, stuff for salad. I always stock up on, like, my dressings, I guess, because I like ranch. I guess I miss that, too, uh, other than just the cheese out of everything dairy-based. So we get Dirk Kensington's ranch and Organicville ranch, and they're amazing. Uh, They taste, I think, better than regular ranch. They're not as heavy, but still have that, like, kick that you get when you eat it. Uh, That's a big claim. I really love them. Like, I I was so stoked when I found – well, Jesse actually found them for me. He brought both of them home for me to try each of them uh, because we had tried, the I think, the Dio one, and I wasn't a huge fan. I just think it didn't have enough flavor for me. But those two, I actually keep two bottles in the fridge at all times because when I use any ranch, I'll, like, mix them, a li- like, half and half together <laughs> because I'm very weird like that. <laughs> But um, so definitely stock up on ranch and my dressings, cheese. We do like a lot of diet cheese for salads, stuffed peppers, homemade pizzas, that kind of thing. Canyon Bakehouse bread, Kinnick Kinnick Char, like I said earlier. Nature's Past, I believe, is the brand that has my oatmeal that I can eat. And they have great oatmeal. I was so excited when I found oatmeal because it's one of my favorite meals. I'll eat it any time of day, any season. (laughs) We recently found Annie's Vegan Mac and Cheese. It's also gluten-free in the boxed mac and cheese pasta aisle. And I've been 
so stoked about that because it's my new favorite mac and cheese in the whole world, obviously, because I miss my cheese. And it, like, really hits the spot for me. It's very nice. Sometimes Amy's frozen dinners, if we're feeling lazy and we don't want to cook when we get home, which has been more often than not this year, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oatly oat milk. We go through a lot of oat milk. We were doing Calicia almond milk, and that was good. But then Jesse wanted to experiment with our taste buds and try some oat milk. And we tried a couple of different ones, and we landed on Oatly. Uh, it seems to be, like, the creamiest. It has really good flavor. I don't drink it straight. Jesse does. I just never was, like, a milk person, but I use it for my matchas in the morning. So, make you know, a matcha latte every day. So definitely a couple bottles of the matcha latte as well. And that's kind of the basics, I would think. Yeah, a lot of bulk. I've been on, like, a sunflower seed kick. I got, like, two pounds of them the other day. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a full, amazing, delicious cart, even coming from the standpoint of someone who follows more of the omnivore diet like it's cool to see that there's some brand names that I know and love and then also more of the ones that specialize in those vegan and gluten-free products so there's seems like there's really a mix of those in there yeah so switching gears a little bit something I hear kind of often is that veganism is less expensive than an omnivore's diet because you're saving on the cost of meat. Do you think that's actually true? Do you find that to be true? For me personally, not really just because I never eat that much meat and never really bought meat my whole life since I stopped eating it when I was so young other than the fish. So I always, it never changed the cost of my shopping trips for the most part, maybe a little bit with the gluten-free stuff because that tends to be more expensive than like a regular loaf of bread, for example, or some bagels, or if I like want a treat that's cookies that are vegan and gluten-free, it'll be a little bit more expensive, but not in the sense because I'm saving on the cost of meat. And like I said, that's just for me personally. I think it varies for people and what their tastes are when it comes to vegan and or gluten-free diets. Some people might just go straight, you know, raw, whole foods. Maybe they're following a certain dietary plan. I think it also depends on where you live because I know – Growing up in New England, I've always had great access to local, organic, sustainable farms in Connecticut, up here in New Hampshire especially, and they've always been at really good prices. I think for someone who might live somewhere like New York City or, I don't know, Columbus, Ohio, I was there for college. And it seemed harder to get my hands on what I needed. I had to search more. I don't think it was necessarily more expensive, but I also had to put the effort in because I did have those dietary restrictions because of allergies and stuff um, even then. But for some people, they're in, like, especially, like I said, cities and low-income neighborhoods of cities especially seem to have 
like food deserts, if you will, in the sense that they'll have a ton of fast food restaurants and that kind of stuff that maybe don't necessarily live near local small farms, but instead live in the middle of like, you know, corporate cornfields and that's all that's there for produce that's accessible for them. So it would be more expensive to get fresh produce and maybe vegan replacements even for them as opposed to meat and regular veggies because they don't have the privilege and like the beauty of living somewhere like Littleton where you're surrounded by, I can think of like five local farms right now that I love that we, you know, shop from at the co-op and we see them at the farmer's market every year. And that's another thing too, is a lot of places don't have farmer's market. They seem to be growing in popularity. I mean, even in Columbus, when I was there, there was a very small one. I think it's grown since then, but the accessibility, I think, also affects the cost of following those kind of dietary regimens and lifestyles, whether it's based because you chose to or you're on, like, a temporary diet or you have food allergies. I, just, I really think it depends on where you are, maybe economically and geographically. But for me, it really hasn't affected my stuff too much other than I'll complain about the bread being more expensive than I want it to be, but I'll still eat it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, though, and I think it's one that probably not a lot of people in our area have thought about being a born and bred New Englander about how other people are not unfortunately as lucky as we are to have access to such great produce and other locally sourced and sustained products. So thank you for bringing that up. So I know we've kind of done the whole circle of products and you've mentioned a lot, but is there something that hasn't come out in like a vegan version that you really want to see you could talk about like or or gluten-free um something that hasn't been modified that you really miss or you just really want for the most part if i can't find something and i like really am having like a crazy craving for it and i can't stop thinking about it for more than a day i'll just either hunt down a recipe for it. I love cooking. So does Jesse. Like one of our favorite things to do is just make really ridiculous meals for 20 people from scratch when we're the only two eating them. (laughs) Uh, Do a lot of replacement meals by just cooking them up usually, unless, like I said earlier, we're feeling lazy and we just grab like a frozen dinner (laughs) that is gluten-free and vegan. Other than that, the snacks sometimes get me. Like, I was eating, I think, up until, like, two weeks ago. Every once, I'd say, like, three to six months, I would get cravings for chocolate. And sometimes it's not the easiest to find good vegan chocolate. I found a lot that I like. But then I got it in my mind that I really wanted chocolate pretzels for some reason. Like, I couldn't get it out of my head for, like, months. So I found some chocolate pretzels at the co-op and I ate them and it was one of my really dumb lazy days where I didn't read the ingredients and I thought they were vegan but there was milk in them and Jesse read the packaging while I was eating them one night. I'm like half a bag in and my hands were kind of like red and swollen and itchy and I was like, 
my tummy was a little upset, but I was just thinking, like, it was a long day at work. I was kind of stressed out about this, that, and the other, you know, whatever. Uh, maybe it's just that because I'm also just a high-strung person, and my stress comes out in physical form sometimes, similar <laughs> to allergies. So I just chalked it up to that, and then he goes, honey, you know there's milk in these? And I got so mad because I was like, shoot. I that totally explains why my hands have been so itchy and I like get an upset tummy and don't have a fun time for like the next day, you know. Like I bought him a couple of times. So it happened a couple of times before he like realized it and obviously after the first time of not reading the ingredients, I just like assumed they were fine and that I didn't think too much into it. Because thankfully I, it seems like a very small amount of milk by my allergic reaction gauge for myself that I am very familiar with now. So it wasn't too, too bad, but now I kind of miss those. And I think the only other thing is cheese doodles, like cheese puffs. I have yet to find a vegan gluten-free cheese doodle or cheese puff, however you want to say it, that I like. Like, well, we've tried so many brands at this point, and Jesse just loves them all. And I wish I wasn't so picky, but there's something about each one. And it's always, like, a different thing for me, whether it be texture or, like, an aftertaste or the taste that tastes too much like Cheez-Its to me. And I hate Cheez-Its. So that's a huge thing, you know. It's a hill I'm going to die on for some reason. <laughs> so if it tastes too much Cheez-Its or whatever and doesn't hit the spot, I'll, I'll never buy them for myself again. I'll buy them for Jesse, but not me. So I think that's my my big big grievance with the world is cheese doodles man vegan gluten-free cheese doodles that and that is your next uh campaign you will be running for whatever whatever purpose um get high quality vegan gluten-free cheese doodles but i think that you mentioned a good point too i in the sense that like if you feel like something is wrong with your body or you're not feeling great and you're attributing it to one thing, it could very well be some sort of food intolerance or allergy. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never would have thought of that because I'm, as you know, like a a generally stressed out person. Um, (laughs) And it definitely, definitely has physical symptoms, but it's something to consider that the cause could be elsewhere. Wrapping up, I know, again, we've mentioned so many great products, but if you had to choose, if you can choose, what do you think is your favorite vegan and or gluten-free find from the Littleton Food Co-op? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say those chocolate pretzels, but they're (laughs) gluten-free. They're not vegan, so watch out for that, people. I think... There's, I think it's Knick Knick makes kind of like these Oreo cookies, and they're not the, like, regular kind of Oreos that are, like, the dark wafer versions with the cream inside, but the, like, vanilla ones, I guess I would say, because I don't know how else to describe them. They have, like, the blondie cookie on it instead. Those are amazing. I love those so much. I, like, can't get over how good they are. I'm mad I don't have any now. <laughs> Darn it. Me too. Um, I think that 
is a great segue for me to go get some, and maybe you should go get some too. But Erin May, thank you so much. This was really informative and interesting to hear about what it's like to be vegan and gluten-free and shop at the co-op. Listening back to Travis and Erin May, they both mentioned the difficulty, whether they directly experienced it or it was hypothetical, of living a vegan lifestyle based on your geographical location. So with that in mind, I reached out to my friend Alyssa, who lives in New York City and practices a vegan lifestyle with the hopes that she could provide more insight into being a vegan in an environment that's very different from Littleton, New Hampshire, to say the least. So thank you so much for being here, Alyssa. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to connect and talk about my experience. So you've lived in California, Boston, and now New York City, which are all very different from New Hampshire. Were you a vegan while you were in all of those different places? Yes, I have been a vegan for about four years now, and I have experienced living as a vegan in all of those places. They're all very different from one another, but offer very different experiences. I would definitely say that New York and L.A. were a little bit easier to do than Boston, but um, nothing has been too difficult for me. Overall, they've all been really fun and exciting to try out different stuff. So do you think there's a reason why Boston was more difficult for veganism than other places? So I feel like one of the reasons it was more difficult in Boston is because the type of food there is so engraved in the culture of the people who have lived there for decades. Uh you know, lots of Italian food, lots of seafood. It's very meat and dairy based. But the difference between Boston and New York, I feel like, is that, you know, while New York does have some culture engraved in it, there's a lot of pizza, there's a lot of bagels. We love that. Um, but also there are people from all over the world here who are bringing their foods with them. And with that, you know, different people come here and they all have different dietary restrictions and things that they enjoy, and people are bringing their own stuff here. So it's pretty cool to be, you know, around all of these different cultures and people who have different uh, food preferences. Um, another part of that experience is that I was living at school at the time, so most of what I was eating was in my dining hall, um, which definitely definitely makes the experience a little bit unique, but I kind of did my best to make do with with what I had, and now I'm, you know, even better at accommodating for myself. I think those are two very interesting and relevant uh, points with, like, where you're living, like, what is kind of the cultural norm for food, and then, yes, obviously, as we all know, uh, living off of a meal plan complicates things a little bit, but I'm glad you had such a positive outlook, at least on the other side um, of having that experience. So I think this kind of gets into my next question, which is like, what kind of vegan are you? Because I know 
from talking to other people now that there's kind of some people who are like fully committed to recreating all of the meals they had before they were vegan with using all of the wide variety of substitutes out there. But then there are others who are just really embrace the the kind of whole foods, um, fruit and veggies experience. So where would you say you are on that spectrum? I would say I have definitely been on both sides of that spectrum. When I first became a vegan, I definitely was falling more on the side of recreating all of the meals that I was already eating just because I didn't really have much experience eating. You know, I I didn't really – I didn't have any friends who were vegans at the time. I didn't know exactly what a vegan diet looked like. And so I was all over the vegan cheese, the vegan chicken nuggets, (laughs) Um, anything I could get my hands on, all of that fun stuff. But as time went on and I started to learn more about the other options out there, not just you know, not that just those strict recreations, but other options that offer the same nutritional value. So, you know, if I'm not getting my protein from eggs and meat, I'm looking at other types of foods like legumes and chickpeas. And I started to have a lot of fun with that, learning about what was in different foods and how different foods impact your body and how you can get the same nutritional values from you know, meat and and dairy and eggs as you can from vegetables and healthy grains. So I've had a lot more fun recently with coming up with my own things. I eat a lot of veggies. I absolutely love vegetables. You should see all of the colorful vegetables that are in my fridge right now. It is beautiful. Um, I eat a lot of fruit. I have a favorite protein powder. I use Vega One Protein. It is delicious. I do also still enjoy some vegan cheese though and there are a couple products that I go back to from time to time when I'm really craving something also I mean it's great to have some vegan ice cream (laughs) right down the block so I definitely partake in that as well oh my gosh right down the block I mean I'm a huge fan of ice cream as like an omnivore right now so that's great to know that there's options for vegan ice cream out there too Yes, so many. Um, it's amazing, and that is something that I will never give up. So. <laughs> but kind of talking about, you mentioned your rainbow fridge, which I would love to see all of that great produce. Another thing that's come a lot up a lot when talking about veganism is the cost of it. Some people say it's less expensive because you know you're not paying for the price of meat but then other people say it ends up um, it does end up being more expensive so just based on your own personal experience do you think living a vegan lifestyle in New York is more expensive than having the omnivorous diet or less or equal even I think it definitely depends on what again back to your last question what type of vegan food you're eating so a lot of those substitutes can definitely get pretty pricey and that's why I try to stay away from them mostly now because you know I do live in New York it is already expensive and I try to do my best to save money eating out is also pretty expensive in New York so I do a lot of meal prepping where I buy things in bulk I buy a lot of whole vegetables I buy a lot of grains in bulk so 
when I shop like that, it definitely helps with prices. And there are a lot of great options just in my neighborhood that offer pretty low prices. I mean, we have these fruit stands on every block where you can get four bananas for a dollar, for example, which is great. And all kinds of other different fruits and vegetables that are so affordable if you really try and if you look at your options and make do. That makes sense that it it depends on what you're seeking out. But you brought up kind of my next question. So in New Hampshire and kind of overall New England, there are a number of places someone could choose to get their groceries from. You know, we have the conventional grocery stores, food co-ops like ours, um, farmer's markets, farm stands, uh, CSA programs, and other direct-from-the-farm programs what options do you have available in new york and then like which do you use most often oh my gosh there are so many options here and that is why i love living here i counted and there are four grocery stores within a seven minute walk of me which is insane literally anything i could find is within walking distance and like i mentioned all of those fruit stands on every block so convenient I personally love Whole Foods. (laughs) It is a little bit more expensive, but they have everything that I need. They have all of the niche, you know, specific vegan options that, you know, you might not find other places, but then they also have really great produce and every type of grain that I'm looking for. I would say that the best part about living in New York and looking for vegan food is the accessibility. There's just so much out there in such a short distance and you get to walk everywhere which is so fun I love to you know walk to get my groceries I think that makes the experience so much more fun and so much more of an actual experience I could not even imagine what that's like having four grocery stores within a seven minute walk that is like unheard of anywhere in a small town like Littleton <laughs> It's pretty amazing. Um, I have had many a moment where I'm in the middle of cooking dinner and realize I do not have the one thing I really need for my meal, and all I need to do is run downstairs to the grocery store halfway down the block, and I'm back within five minutes. It is very convenient. That's incredible. Um, Another thing you mentioned was going out to eat. So can you talk a little bit more about what it's like being a vegan when you go out to eat? Like, are there specific vegan restaurants? Yes. Oh, my gosh. This is my favorite part because I love going out and trying all these different delicious vegan options. There are so many. There are so many dedicated vegan restaurants of all kinds. I have, you know, my favorite vegan ice cream place, and then I have my favorite vegan Mexican place. And then there's vegan pizza places, and there's even this amazing vegan Pan-Asian place where you can get pad thai or pho or noodles. I don't know. They have, like, literally everything. It's awesome, and I love getting to try all the different kinds of foods that I could never eat before. And then, on the other hand, 
all the other places that aren't vegan are so accommodating. Like usually I'll find at least one thing on the menu that if it's not specifically for vegans, it's like something that I can eat or a lot of places will have a vegan section of their menu. There are quite a few burger and pizza places that, you know, I'll see the little vegan corner and I know this is the place for me. So it's a lot of fun and it makes everything really accessible and it also makes socializing really easy because I never have to be, you know, the odd one out when going out with friends if there's nothing for me to eat because there's usually something on every menu for me, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to feel like you are the one dictating the plans of where you can go, um, which that's great. And I was surprised to hear that they even have subsets of vegan restaurants, I guess you could say. Like, in my head, it's just kind of like, oh, this is the vegan restaurant that just has everything. But to have a vegan pizza, Mexican, Asian, all of that, that must be super great. It's awesome. And I want to say my favorite thing, I mean, living in New York, it's impossible not to become a bagel snob, I will tell you. This is the best place to get bagels, and we're all obsessed with them here. And every single bagel place in my neighborhood has tofu cream cheese, and it is it is a dream come true for me. <laughs> so overall, if you had to pinpoint New York's kind of like general attitude towards veganism, what would you say it is? I would say it is very accommodating and supportive. I know so many vegans and vegetarians who live in the city, so everyone's pretty used to it by now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's basically on every single menu, and I've never gotten a hard time from anyone about it. Everyone's really great about it, and it seems like a lot of people have embraced not just veganism, but... All, all different kinds of dietary restrictions. I mean, there's gluten-free stuff on most menus here as well, which is really amazing. So I really appreciate that and the fact of living here. So if you go to one of these non-vegan restaurants and you order something from the vegan corner, the waiter's not going to be like, oh, you're one of those vegans. Like, mm. <laughs> No, never, never. Everyone has been so nice to me about it. Oh, good. Lastly, do you have any advice for other quote-unquote city vegans like yourself or someone considering moving to an urban environment but concerned about taking their vegan lifestyle with them? Yes, I would say have so much fun and explore your options because there are just so many out there. Like, you never need to worry again about finding something you can eat or trying something new because there's always something out there to try it's really amazing but definitely you know watch what you're spending i guess because it can get so expensive um i want to try all of these things but it's so hard so definitely you know keep an eye on your budget but also have a lot of fun with it and check out everything there is to check out because there is so much to experience I'm actually so hungry right now. Luckily, I have a full list of vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free approved products to go try.
But I think this episode proves that no matter what the topic is, we're always going to somehow end up talking about cheese. I hope everyone was able to take away something from this episode. One of my biggest takeaways from recording this episode is the reminder that as long as it's not harmful to someone, what someone else chooses to eat should be none of our business. There are so many factors that determine what a person eats in a day and in a lifetime. I fuel my body differently from all of the guests on this episode, and that doesn't stop me from admiring what's on their plate, and it doesn't stop them from having civilized conversations with me. Not every vegan you're going to meet is going to be a quote-unquote evangelical vegan. And with that, thank you again to all of my guests for each providing their unique perspectives on following an alternative food lifestyle. Please make sure you're subscribed to That's Rad on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're in an extra generous mood, maybe you could also give us a rating and review. Five stars is preferred. If you want to be my next guest on That's Rad, or you want to hear about something that we haven't covered yet, reach out and let us know. You can shoot us an email, marketing at littletoncoop.org, or DM us on Instagram, at littleton underscore co-op, and Facebook, Littleton Food Cooperative. Until next time, remember to eat, sleep, and be rad. That's Rad is a production of the Littleton Food Co-op. Anastasia Marr directs and hosts. Jesse Smith and Annie Stewart produce. Becky Colpitz provides unrelenting positivity and moral support. The Littleton Food Co-op is Littleton, New Hampshire's community-owned grocery store. We put our money where your mouth wants to be. Local farms, of course. No membership is required to shop here. Come check us out sometime just off exit 41 at 43 Bethlehem Road in Littleton. Or if you're online, check us out at littletoncoop.com.